praise the one ascended son of God sing hallelujah hallelujah
Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name but Jesus, Jesus, sing his holy name, my heart will sing Let's worship together this morning. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And together as we worship.
Let's sing together. What holds your heart? What stirs your soul? When matters come to mind, the cares you keep, the thoughts you think, it's not all wasted time. Seek and you will find joy still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the hurting You're still alive and breathing Praise the Lord Don't stop dancing and dreaming Let everything, let everything praise the Lord. Keep it going. In the working, in the waiting, let it praise the Lord. In the blessing, in the breaking, come on, praise the Lord. In the dying, in the rising, let it praise the still alive and breathing praise the lord don't stop dancing and dreaming still good news worth repeating lift your hand and keep singing praise the lord sing it again joy still comes in the morning hope still walks with the hurting you're still alive Amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat for just one moment. Well, good morning. Friends, the song that we just sang reminds us that in good times or bad, 
uh, in times of joy or sadness, times of peace or times of struggle. The Lord God is worthy of praise. His mercies are new each and every morning. And so don't lose hope. He is the sovereign, almighty God, and he is worthy. I want to read together the, the words of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. I'll read this aloud. You can follow. The words will be up on the screen for you. In this passage, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah reports his mission. Uh, anointed with the Spirit of God, he is to preach good news and proclaim liberty and announce the year of the Lord's favor, which refers to the year of Jubilee. This is what we read about in Leviticus 25, 8 through 17. It's the 50th year when all land was restored to the original owners and all slaves set free. All will be made new, says the prophet. All will be restored. The status quo is overturned. The poor and the oppressed are given a new beginning. Hear these words. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a painting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So friends, I want to read through this passage. I want to pray through this passage. Um, Will you pray with me? As it was in the time of Isaiah the prophet, these words are equally relevant to us today. So I want to pray through this, this passage. May your spirit, sovereign Lord, be on us today. May you anoint us to preach good news to the poor. Lord, send us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners. May we proclaim the year of your favor, Lord, the day of your vengeance, God, and tell others that you comfort all who mourn. Lord, provide for us through times of grief and struggle. Lord, bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, in a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. May we be called an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of your splendor. We pray this in Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, let's stand together as we sing this. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, you know this one. Sing it out. Let the oil of gladness flow down from your throne. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Your joy is my strength alone, my strength alone. Let's sing that verse again. Put on the garments. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let the oil of 
be to the Lord. Amen. His word says, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's sing it together, all creatures of our God and King. Sing this. All creatures of our God and King. Well, lift it up. Lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. Thou burning sun with golden beam. Thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 Let all things, let all things their creator bless and worship him in humbleness. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son. And praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. 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 Washed by his blood, come and rejoice in his great love. Oh, praise him! Hallelujah! Christ has defeated every sin. Amen. Cast all your burdens now on him. Oh, praise Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He shall return in power to reign. Heaven and earth are to say, Oh, praise Oh, praise Him. 
church let's join together as we sing the doxology praise god from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm so glad that y'all are here today. Uh, we are wrapping up week two of our Kids Life uh, VBS, uh, It's a Mystery. And so I have a mystery for y'all today. And if you're watching at home, uh, see if you can figure out what this mystery is. Um, now, there are two friends named Anne and Chris. And they like to fight a lot, have debates about different things, because uh, they see things very differently often. And so I want you to try to figure out from their conversation, what are they talking about? Okay? So Anne says, it has walls and a door. And Chris says, it has hands and feet. Anne says, it's known for acting perfect. Chris says, it's known for being broken. Anne says, it's a place to go. Chris says, it's found through all the world in history. Anne says, it has a start time and an end time. Chris says, it had a start time, but it goes on forever. Anne says, people go there to sit. Chris says, people sit there, go. Anne says, anyone can get in. What's the point? Chris says, anyone can get in. That's the point. Anne says, it's known for taking. Chris says, it's known for giving. Anne says, it is focused on politics and power. Chris says, it is distracted by politics and power, but it is focused on a king and his power. So I want you all to think about that mystery for just a second, and I'll have the big reveal if you don't know what it is yet. Um, but this last week was our second week of our kids' uh, VBS, uh, online VBS this year. We had 123 kids signed up. Uh, we had 75 volunteers working this week in different roles. Uh, and one, some of the projects that we're doing are we are items for Cypress Assistance Ministries. And so um, our kids and our families, you guys have so far brought in 427 items, which is um, but we are collecting 2,020 items, so we're about, oh, is that a quarter of the way there? Uh, if you can help us try to collect more, we want to bless the uh, Cypress area um, with items that will bless their families. We're also collecting money for South Africa for them to build a community center. And so we have so far collected $579.80, um, but we are still wanting to reach $3,500. And so the kids, I've made them a promise this week, and so my promise is this, that if we reach our goals, then I will have a haircut, and I'm going to donate my, uh, my hair to a group called Children with Hair Loss. And so if you want to see Pastor Evan's hair all cut off, uh, then we've got to reach our goals of 2,020 items and $3,500. So if you want to help donate as well, there's ways that you can give online or give through texting. And so this last week, we talked about how we need to accept the facts. 
uh, the facts about God. And so we listened and learned from the story of Rahab and Joshua. If you're watching at home, if any kids uh, followed along, we learned about how Joshua grew up learning about God, but Rahab grew up in a different city, different place. And yet she heard the stories of God and how God had saved the Israelites, how God had worked in mighty ways. And so she trusted that the God of Israel could save her. And sure enough, when Jericho came crumbling down, God did save her and her family. Now, she didn't place her trust in the Israelites. She wasn't placing her trust in what the people of Israel could do, but what their God could do because of what she had heard. And so she became part of Israel. She actually became part of Jesus's family line. And so what's amazing is that she could join in to Israel based on her faith, based on her faith in the true God of Israel. And just like that, we all can join into another family based on our faith, and that family is the church. Now, of course, we don't join the church because of our faith in our Christians, because we know that as Christians, uh, we are flawed, but we put our faith in God, the one true Savior. As he saved uh, Rahab, he saves us through the blood of Jesus. And so if you can figure out the mystery I was talking about earlier, Anne and Chris were arguing about the church. So Anne is anyone who is outside of the church. They don't have a full understanding of what the church can do. But Chris is a Christian. He knows the power of God. He knows what the church is about because he's accepted the facts that come from God's word. So today, Pastor Tony is going to be talking about what the book of Acts teaches us about the church. So if you're uh, any of the kids here home, I want you to write down all the words, all the descriptions, all the actions that describe the church. Just like a detective. Get all the facts, because ultimately, we want to be based on the facts that come from God's word. We want to live out what God wants us to do, not but based on what God tells us. You see, the church needs to be about Jesus, not about us. Rahab didn't become part of Israel because of the Israelites because of God. We are part of the church because of what Jesus has done for us. He alone is worthy.
shadows deepen We do But do you know that all the dark Will stop the light from getting through We do Do you wish that you could see it all made new We do Sing this, it's all creation growing is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave Is He worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Sing it out. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Will you stand? Every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, He has made us a kingdom of priests to God to reign with the Son. I'll sing this. Is He worthy? Is He worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is He Out. Praise the Lord. He is 
be seated. Good morning, Cypress Bible Church. Well, confession, Paul gives me the order of worship, and he says, if you, if you do this, I'll allow you to do it again. If you mess it up, you'll never get to do it again. And so I messed it up. Paul said, I'm going to come out here, I'm going to introduce his next song, and, we're gonna, and I'm, I, I, I thought he was going to do a song, and then I was going to come out. And so I'm standing over there going, what is Paul doing? But this is, this is actually a sermon illustration that I wanted for your sake. Um, so I'm sorry, sorry about that, Paul. Thank you for being a part of my sermon. Um, a lot of times when we come here this morning, are we here for a program? Not, not at all, right? We are here as the church to worship the living God. And it's not about programming or, or how we go about doing things. It's about our hearts. And, and what are we presenting to the living God? And, and what does he desire for us, his people? And, and I think it's important for us to remember that. And, and so this morning we're going to be talking about uh, Ecclesia. We're going to be talking about the church. See, and I forgot my clicker. Thank you, sir. What is, what is the church? What is the role of the church? And, and I want to make sure we're not confused on this issue because there's being a lot of demands put upon the church today and society is telling us what the church should be doing amidst COVID, amidst, amidst the social injustice that we see in the world. And, and what should the, the church be fighting for? Should we, should we be out there fighting for, for social justice? Should we, what is our messaging? What, what do we do? And, and I want to make sure that we are using Scripture as our guide, right? We, we don't listen to the world to tell us what the church should be doing. We listen to God because, first and foremost, it is His church. Jesus Christ is the head, and He, he is leading the way for us. So we've got to make sure that we are following Him, that we are following His directives that He's given to us, the church, and so we're going to be looking at this ecclesia, the church, as it has been given to us in Acts 2, 36-47. Jesus very clearly said that he would build his church and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. He would build his church and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. I think the world tells us, hey, do you know that the church is failing? Not if you believe Jesus Christ in his word. His church will reign. His church will not fail. His church is already victorious. And so who are we listening to? Are we listening to the world? Or are we listening to the king? who sits at, at head, as head of the church. It's a, it's a very important distinction. When we, when we talk about the church, we talk about the, the church universal. Uh, there's one body in which Christ is the head. Um, 
but there's also this, this body of the church, the church local, so it could be uh, the church of Houston. Uh, when we think of Paul writing letters, he writes letters to the church of Galatia. Uh, Galatia wasn't a specific church, it was a region made up of a whole lot of smaller churches, so he's writing to these churches. Uh, and then we have the church local. Individually, we are the church, an expression of the larger universal body of Christ. And so let's read Acts 2, 36-47. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God calls. With many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all any that had need. Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joy and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. Uh, well, Father God, we come into your presence this morning and we direct ourselves to your word and we pray that you would guide us that you would illuminate your word to us, that we may receive it, that we may praise you because of it, and live and be guided by it, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so this very first church, we are, we are given kind of an, an outline. And at the beginning of this, we see uh, the very first thing that happens is there's this proclamation. The gospel is proclaimed. Uh, and this is exactly what Jesus said would happen at the establishment. He said he's establishing his church, and he says to do that, this is going to be the first thing that's going to happen. It says in Luke 24, 44 through 29, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in, the name, in his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, you are my witnesses to these things, and behold, I am sending you forth with the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so Jesus told them this is the pattern which is going to happen. They're going to wait in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high. Uh, and upon Pentecost, they receive the indwelling of the Spirit. And they, they, he said, upon the indwelling of that Spirit, 
that power from on high, you will then proclaim the message, the good news of the gospel to all nations starting in Jerusalem. Uh, so the, the beginning of this, the church starts with the proclamation of the gospel. The good news of what Jesus has accomplished in overcoming sin and death. But it's important to think about this proclamation and the response. The response to the gospel proclamation in verse 37, it says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to the Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Now, in context, you think of, of these these. 3,000 plus, because the 3,000 are, are the ones who believed the message. There were undoubtedly some who didn't believe and, and maybe left. But what was it that pierced them to the heart? Peter says that you crucified the Lord. And so, not too long before this, many of them probably were, were screaming as Jesus entered the city, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They thought the, the Messiah had come to save them, to free them from captivity, to free them from the bondage of Rome. But, not, but a few days later, they were saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Why were they saying this? Because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. They wanted a Messiah for themselves that would meet their needs. And I think the world is telling us that today of the church. What does the world need? The church should be meeting that need. We should fix this broken world. We should fix all injustices. We should fight for these things. Is that what Jesus did in his day? He, he fought against those rulers, but he fought a spiritual battle because he knew the root of all problems was, was sin, was brokenness, was, was the sin that led to death eternal. And so Jesus, the Messiah, came for a very different purpose. And, and even his own disciples really didn't fully understand this. They were, they were confused by Jesus' death on the cross. Like, is was he the Messiah? Was he not the Messiah? But upon his resurrection, everything became clear. Jesus didn't come to free us from Rome. He, he came to free us from this sinful, broken world. He came to free us from the bondage of our own sin and death. And now we are free. And now we are free. And so the foundation of the church, the ecclesia, starts with this gospel proclamation that leads to life and overcomes sin and death and, and offers the world something that it never expected and doesn't deserve. But God gives it to us by His grace and mercy. He gives us salvation. He gives us salvation through the proclamation of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. And so this is, the, this is the, the, the foundation of the church. Starts with this gospel proclamation and, and a clear understanding of what Jesus came to establish. 
he didn't come to establish a utopia on earth in which there, there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more crime, no more injustice. In fact, the Bible paints a very different picture and says that the, as the days grow on, that, that it's going to get worse and worse. In fact, people are going to become lovers of self, proud, blasphemers, uh, and this long list of just, the world's going to get crazy. I think we can all see that because we're living in crazy right now. But the expectation of the, of the church isn't to fix the crazy. The, ex, the, the expectation of the church is to proclaim the good news of the gospel that there's an escape from this craziness. There's an escape from brokenness. And Jesus offers us entrance into his kingdom in which one day he will establish forever in which there will be no pain, no suffering, no injustice, all of these things that we, we long for. But the world says we can't wait for that. We want it now. And we as the church need to make sure, again, we are listening to Scripture as our guide. What is our, or what is our first response to social injustice? Our first response should be the gospel. Our first response should be to, to point them to the one who is just. And we have to be mindful of that. So Ecclesia, the church, um, I've been in, in church planning ministry for, for many, many years uh, and am a student of church planning movements. And so one of the tools that we use in church planning movements is we, we use this circle. We call it the church circle. And you see all these little images uh, in the circle. And so basically this, this image represents a healthy church, the, the different aspects of what makes up a healthy church. So there's, there's baptism, there's prayer, there's discipleship and proclamation of the gospel, there's love and fellowship with one another, there's worship, there's breaking of bread, there's giving of time and money, there's dedicating ourselves to the scriptures, the apostles' teaching, and there's, there's shepherding over the church. And so we use this as kind of a diagnostic tool when we look at church plants to see if they're healthy. Um, if they don't have these elements, we put them outside of the circle. Uh, if they are practicing these elements, we put them inside of the circle. Uh, but it's not a checklist, right, because you can, you can add a component of worship and we, we sing a song and, and not be worshipful in, in your heart. Uh, you, can, you can say a prayer but not be uh, doing it well as a, as a body. And so we, we look at each of these elements and say, are we doing well? Are, are we healthy in this area? Um, we're doing some baptisms, but are we baptizing in the way that, that, that would be glorifying to God? How many, how many baptisms should we as a church be? What is our, what is our goal? What is our aim? Uh, and so we use this as a tool to begin to evaluate the health uh, of a church. And this comes from Acts 2, 36 through 47. And the first thing we see is proclamation of the gospel. We see people that are responding to the gospel. So Peter proclaims the gospel and they ask, what should we do? They're pierced to the heart. And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, this seems like a, a very simple message, a very simple response. Uh, and I think part of the problem that we have in the church today is, is how we enter into the life of the church. We have to make sure we get that right. And so this, this very first word that, that Jesus gives us, uh, that Paul, Peter gives us, as Jesus commanded, is repent and, and be baptized. This is exactly what Jesus says. He says in Mark 1.15, he says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now there's a parable that Jesus gives of the kingdom. And he equates it to a king uh, who's having a wedding feast, Right? And he sends out his servants to go and invite all the important people. And, and they come up with excuse after excuse. I, I'm, you know, I'm busy. I've got things to do. And uh, so the servants come back and they say, nobody wants to come. And he go, go out to the highways and byways and invite the good, the bad. Just give them the invitation and invite them to come. And so there's this great wedding feast. Uh, and in the midst of this wedding feast, there's one man who is not clothed in the wedding garment. Uh, and I think every time I read that, that passage, I read it and I go, I don't, what is going on there? Why would, why would he reject that guy? How did you get into the wedding feast? The man was speechless. The king told the attendant, tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. And so I think of, I think of this in the context of the local church. And uh, unfortunately, there, there are many that come into the church and they don't, they don't enter in the, the way in which Jesus prescribes. Receiving the gospel, repenting, and being baptized. Why was this man thrown out? Because he didn't have an invitation. Right? The invitation for us is the gospel. How did this man get there? We don't know. The scriptures don't, don't tell us. Was he, was he curious about what was going on inside and he saw this big, this big hubbub and he's like, I, I'm going to go check this out? Did he see the, the servants handing out the invitations and say, hey, I wonder, I wonder what's going on? Uh, but the point is, is he didn't have an invitation. He wasn't clothed in the wedding clothes. And so when we look at the church, we have to make sure that we're here for the right reason. Some people come to church because they think, uh, well, it's, a, it's the right thing to do. You, sh you should go to church. Some people, maybe you were born into a Christian family and you say, well, I go to church because my parents went to church and they told me that I'm supposed to go to church. Doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't make you part of the family of God. And so we have to make sure when we evaluate why are we here, are we here because we've received the good news of the gospel? Are we here because we've, we've repented of our sins and have been baptized? We need to, to, to hear the invitation and respond to it. Now, this word re repentance is an interesting word, uh, and I think there's some confusion there as well, because a lot of times uh, what we hear in the world is repentance is you just need to say you're sorry, right? I have sinned, God's sorry. We sin again, God's sorry. Sin over here, God's sorry. Uh, repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Now, certainly saying you're sorry is probably important. You recognize that you've done something wrong, that you've offended God by, by your action in some way. Um, but repentance is not even just the Old Testament uh, 
present repentance as this idea of turning from, right? You were going in this direction, and you repent, and now I'm going in this direction. Uh, but there's a, there's a problem with that interpretation of repentance, too, because uh, typically what we do is we, we sin, and we say, God, I'm sorry for this sin. Uh, I'm not going to do it anymore, but it does look pretty good. I sure would like to try it again. And here we are back at sin again, saying, oh, God, sorry, I sinned again. I'm going to turn from it. Oh, God, sorry, I sinned again. And we just keep this, this, this perpetual act of repentance, like, like there's no end to the cycle. Uh, the word repentance in the Greek is metaneo. And it means to change one's mind. Now, sometimes that seems like too simple of a thing. Like, what do you mean, just change my mind? When I come to sin and I recognize that I don't want this anymore, my mind has been transformed, and I say, I don't need it, I don't want it, I'm done with it. That's, that's repentance. And, and we need the power of God, the, the power of the Spirit within us to do that. As we present ourselves to God, what does God do? He transforms our minds to where we say, I don't need it, I don't want it. That's repentance. One definition for, for this Greek word, metaneo, is uh, to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regards to sin and righteousness. So we are, we are aligning ourselves with God's will and we're saying, God, I no longer want any of this stuff. I want you. And I want you to lead and guide me in your way. I want to walk the straight and narrow path, not the broad path that leads to destruction, but I want to follow you. And, and again, that's a work of God within us. He leads us and guides us to that. And so we have to come to this right understanding of repentance. Uh, so at the beginning of your walk, it doesn't mean that you, you're over, you've overcome all sin, right? It's a journey. You're justified by faith in Jesus Christ, first and foremost. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are justified. And that, that comes as an act of repentance, realizing that you have sinned against a holy God, and you're changing your mind about your sin and your lifestyle, and you're saying, I want you, Jesus. I believe that you died. I believe that you're risen from the dead. And so, so we enter into this relationship of the church through repentance and baptism. Baptism is also uh, important for us because it is, it is how we are initiated into the life of the body. Uh, I was baptized as an infant in the church denomination that my parents brought me to, uh, but there was a time uh, when I made a decision that I wanted to be a part of God's church, and so I made the, the decision that I wanted to be baptized uh, because I recognized in Scripture that that was the pattern. And so we're not saying that your baptism is illegitimate, or, um, but if God is telling you in your heart that, that this is what something you need to do, we would ask you to follow through with that. Uh, because again, we're, we're changing our minds about things because it's the way God is directing us in his word. And so what else do we see in, in this that we are, we are called to do in this ecclesia? Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, this seems pretty common sense for us in the church that, to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to God's Word. 
Um, but we're finding more and more within t- the church today in the West that the church is largely biblical illiterate. We no longer dedicate ourselves to, to seeking God in his word. Uh, and and we're, we get a lot of pressure from society saying, oh, it's an old book anyway, right? What, what good could it do? Uh, the Bible is, is, is supernatural. The scripture is supernatural. It is timeless. And it is God speaking to his people. By the power of the Spirit, he brings illumination to our minds. He helps us to understand that which is written so that we may apply it in our lives and we may live it out in the world. And so we can't abandon the Scripture and, and basically use it as a uh, kind of a, a trophy that we put on our shelves saying, well, I'm a Christian, I have a Bible. Most of us probably have many Bibles laying around our homes. Uh, but the question, are we dedicated to it? Are we, are we studying it? Are we being transformed by it? We devote ourselves to fellowship. We don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, right? Whether that's here live or online, we are going to con- continue to gather. Um, but the gathering, again, is not just us being present together. It's fellowship. It's truly loving one another as brothers and sisters. Caring for one another. Weeping when, when one weeps and celebrating when we, when we celebrate true fellowship. We break bread. We are going to break bread today. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And you notice I left off a symbol, and when I was doing this, I was looking back through, and I said, oh, I, left, I left something out of here. What did I leave off? I left out prayer. I don't have a little symbol for prayer at the top. And I was going to go back and change it, and I said, well, no, the church often leaves out prayer. But it's crucial to the life and body of the church. Prayer isn't something that we can take lightly, and I think it is something we do take lightly. I oftentimes picture, I picture heaven and the altar of God and the angels receiving our prayers. And and sometimes I I picture the angel wearing uh, a restaurant outfit saying, we got another order, right? Because I think we pray for food far more than we pray for the lost. Are we, are we burdened in prayer? Are we broken for this world and for justice and for peace that God offers through it? And are we, are we seeking God in prayer? We, we have to. We give of our time and our monies. They had everything in common. They gave of their possessions. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house, praising God. They're worshiping. They're enjoying the favor of all people. They had a good reputation in the community. And every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. The church begins with the proclamation of the gospel that leads to salvation, and it ends with the proclamation through the church that there is good news and all who are burdened and heavy laden may come to Jesus our Lord and Savior and receive salvation and enter into his body where there is peace, joy, and contentment for all who will receive the good news of the gospel.
And this is what the church is supposed to be. This is a, a healthy church. And so when the world tells us what we need to be doing, we need to go back to, to Scripture and say, this is what God, this is what Jesus, the King, the head of the church, says we are to be about. And, and it's interesting, when we are about our Father's business, God brings the change, Right? I've studied church planning movements, and I studied, studied John Wesley and how he went into communities. And uh, the church didn't want to have anything to do with what he was doing, so they kicked him out. And so he went out into the streets and the alleyways, and he gathered people together. And you know what he did? He prayed with them. He studied the scriptures. And in those communities, he saw transformation. He saw communities transformed by the gospel. Now, that was a long time ago, so... So how about today? Does that apply today? I was talking this week with, with Trey Nine, uh, with Hip Hop Hope, and he was giving a testimony of a community that they went into, and this apartment complex had the highest homicide rate in the city. And so they took a team in there, and they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to bring the gospel to this community. And they began to gather people together. They began to have Bible studies. They began praying. They began, they began church in that community. In that ch- community, the homicide rate went down. People were were excited and hopeful about what God was doing there. The Word of God applies today and forevermore. It's eternal. It is our hope. Thank God that we have the church. We have a place to find hope and peace. So right now we are going to celebrate the Lord's table. We are going to celebrate uh, communion. If you didn't receive uh, one of these little ta- uh, little communion. Uh, the deacons are going to come around right now. Just raise your hand if you need one. Little portable communions, okay? Uh, so I was supposed to uh, do this in the announcements, but I'm going to do it now. There's two tabs. The wafer is in the top clear tab. You got to pull that back. And then the juice is in the, is in the bottom tab. Um, before we enter into a time of communion, the, the scripture says that we are to take communion in a worthy manner. We are to evaluate ourselves uh, and, and make sure that, that we are not in sin, that we have genuinely repented, that we are, are believers, right? Uh, and all who are believers are welcome to partake. Uh, but it also says to go beyond that and evaluate yourself. You have something against your brother, right? If you have uh, unrepentant sin, then, then ask God for forgiveness now. So let's take about, about 15 seconds in prayer and just go to God and and ask for forgiveness and prepare yourselves to come to the Lord's table. Father, we come into your presence this morning and we are just in awe of you. We thank you that, that you loved us while we were yet in our sins and that you sent your Son into the world. You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, and we have received this life, Lord, because we've put our faith in Jesus and we've received your Spirit. And, and as we come to the table now, Lord, we pray that we would recognize the significance of all that you've accomplished through your Son, Jesus and all you're accomplishing through him even today, through your church. And we want to take communion in a, in a worthy way, Lord. So I pray uh, that we are all repentant. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me uh, of sins that, that, that I don't even realize I'm a part of. 
Help to change my mind. Transform my mind, Lord, as I present myself to you and, and transform your church as we present ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you pull back the top tab, you'll find the wafer. Jesus said, this is, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup and he said, this, this represents my blood of a new covenant. Take, drink, in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the bread. We thank you for the cup. We thank you for all you've accomplished through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand together and sing in response to the Lord for all he is and all he has done and continues to do. Let's sing this. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son. To make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulder. Call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is. boast in anything 
No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and Church, I was asked uh, just to remind you that as we leave today, we do have another uh, service coming in. So as we make this transition, we're trying to honor uh, the requests that have made, been made from us, from uh, our authorities, uh, to, to practice social distancing. So we've been asked not to congregate uh, in the hallways and just uh, exit swiftly. So uh, we thank you for coming this morning. Let, us, let me close us in prayer. Uh, Father, as we leave this place, we pray that we leave in the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would lift up the name of Jesus, that people may know that you are Lord and King and offer salvation to all who will believe and entrance into your church, into your kingdom eternal. Use us for your glory, we pray and ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sings my soul.